0: everyone. Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. This is Tom Salemi. Thank you very much for joining us. We're uh, meeting with uh, Lisa Whippen-Heine today. She is the CEO of Mitraline and she has a great deal of experience in startups and corporates, uh, having worked at EV3 and also at uh, at Covidian after the uh, the acquisition of the former. And uh, Lisa and I talked a great deal. She she oversees a lot of the regulatory uh, matters. She did that at Covidian and she's uh she's overseeing that also at uh at mitraline as c o o so we talked a bit about how the fortunes are changing uh in the u s and in Europe as to uh, the ease of getting things approved or, or or passed through regulatory bodies so so she's got a surprising observation about how things are kind of changing up and how some real innovative programs at the fda which mitraline has uh has taken advantage of can really help move along uh, the development of new MedTech devices. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lisa. She's great. She's on our advisory board, on the MedTech Conference advisory board, and she'll be there on June 1st in Minneapolis. Uh, She actually works lives in Minneapolis but works for Mitraline, which is uh, not too far from me in the Boston area. So fortunately she lives close to the airport uh, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. But uh, do uh, go to medtechconference.com to sign up for the MedTech Conference. It's happening on June 1st in Minneapolis at the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel. Now, uh, let's get into this conversation with Lisa. Hi, this is Tom Salami from Healthogy. We're on location in Minneapolis, and I'm very grateful to be joined by Lisa Whipperman-Heine, the Chief Operating Officer of MitroLine. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Tom. It's good to be here.
0: You uh, just helped us out with our uh, strategy meeting for our MedTech conference, which we're going to be doing on June 1st. But one of the, What we try to do at the MedTech Conference is tackle many of the, the issues, uh, obviously, facing MedTech companies. And, of course, regulations and clinical trials are among the most challenging. You've got a, a rich background, and we can get into that moment, in clinical trials. Um, but what are some – well, actually, let's get into the background first, because I want people to understand you're, you're bringing a lot of years of clinical regulatory experience mm-hmm. into this. You're now with Mitralion, the chief operating officer. How did you find your way to that opportunity? And, and let's start with that.
1: Well, you know, I don't think there's any pathway that is uh, traditional anymore. Um, I was, I came out of Cavidian and did a couple of years of consulting, mm-hmm. and worked with a lot of startup companies. I'd say probably eighty percent of my clients were startup companies, and my client happened to be one of them. So I'd work with that with the CEO there as well as some other companies, and you know, as it were, with consulting, a lot of times you have opportunities come up from your clients, most of which you know I was pretty happy with consulting, but. Mitraline, it, the technology was extremely compelling, and in a space, they have a transcatheter um, mitral and tricuspid valve repair technology, which is in a space where there's, there's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. And so to go somewhere where you can bring a technology like that to, to market, um, and it had a lot of promise, it and, and then created a, a different role and opportunity for myself to Uh, Work across a lot of different functions was a unique opportunity to uh, uh, have both those things.
0: Now, Line is outside of Boston, there, where where I am, and you're here in Minneapolis, right? So, how 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 are you working that out?
1: Well, I I live about uh, uh, nine miles from the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, so it works out really well for me. Um, (laughs) It's not not a bad flight. Yes, I spend most time on site, but there's a lot of time out um, in the field as well. So, um, it's you know, I think it's what's unique in our business now is you have a lot of commuters. Uh, and startup companies to try to develop the talent. In fact, I just hired uh, another um, commuter executive into the company.
0: Let's get into your background a bit. You've you've got a great broad experience in regulatory affairs. I'd like to share that with the audience. What what programs did you work for? What companies on in? What clinical trials did you manage?
1: Well, I, I actually started my career in uh, sales and marketing uh, and migrated over to uh, clinical clinical trials. Uh, I always enjoyed science and answering the interesting questions, so just kind of fell into clinical trials, and along the way picked up health economics policy and reimbursement experience, as well as uh, regulatory affairs experience. When I uh, I came to Covidian through the acquisition of EV3. And there I, I had responsibility for running all of uh, EV3's clinical programs at Covidian. Uh, the role grew to the entire vascular um, business organization globally and under medical affairs, which included the clinical affairs um, group, but also physician training and education responsibilities as well as health economics policy and reimbursement. It was a very integrated area of of, um, of work where I got to cross-pollinate Um, Some very interesting spaces that really fed into each other and fed into you know some of the very very highly uh, differentiated products that
0: we had. So what that's a lot of uh, a lot of heavy material you're in charge of. What what was the number one sort of quality that does someone who manages clinical trials and regulatory affairs? What do you need to to have? Is it uh, I guess just a great attention to detail? Is it just multitasking it seems like that's a that's a, a great uh, great deal of responsibility especially a company like ev3 where we have so many different programs going on
1: I think really uh, what helped me a lot was to pay attention to what what were we trying to solve what problem were we trying to solve so as a business what problem were we trying to solve and understand you know from a physician perspective the healthcare care system um, what were the value drivers and then being able to look at it and answer those questions through the collecting of the of the data and the information so really thinking about it as cross-functionally of what are we trying to address and then how do we go about addressing those questions and then I think that the key is how can you address those questions without getting too, into a, a little bit of too much of a science exercise to be able to actually execute on it in a timely manner to bring that product to market.
2: The MedTech sector is on the rebound, and to understand just how high it will climb, join the industry's most influential innovators, investors, and executives at the MedTech conference in one of the country's major MedTech hubs, Minneapolis.
0: It's a national meeting. It was uh, uh, very informative on all forms of financing in terms of the future for MedTech, IPOs. Uh, The entire program was very well done.
2: I think we had a lot of fantastic people up on stage that had very relevant experience to what
1: many of our companies, CEOs, other investors are facing in MedTech today.
2: These expert-rich discussions bring together many perspectives of how to succeed in MedTech. You have to get all of the key stakeholders in the room at the same time, and this conference does a really good job at that if you're going to get a fair assessment about how things are overall.
0: You know, I learned a number of things today from some of the presenters that you know I hadn't thought about and connected some dots in a new manner. So it's a great way to just take a break, decompress, you know, reconnect with old colleagues and, and then get back at it tomorrow.
2: Newly added are breakout sessions targeting specific areas of MedTech development along with the MedTech Innovator Award given to an individual that has made exceptional contributions to the MedTech community.
1: I think the relationships that you build at this kind of conference is much more um, significant than what I've uh, experienced in other conferences. So I really enjoy it. It's very focused on medical devices and diagnostics. I really like that. That's one of the areas that we invest a lot in. So it's all the right people in the right place in a very concentrated area. And it's it's a terrific conference.
2: This crucial conference will leave attendees with the insights and connections necessary to find their own sure path to success. Visit medtechconference.com to register today.
0: So at MitroLine now, what sort of program, I know you're the COO, but you're probably still overseeing at least part of the regulatory. What, what, how many trials do you have going on there? I and mean, what are the challenges like with that company?
1: Well, we were an early-stage venture-backed company, so yeah. we're in a pre-market situation. We uh, have a uh, Mitral uh, mitral product that is CE marked currently. So we've uh, at some point, we're hoping to commercialize that. So there'll be a post-market surveillance study involved in that in Europe. On the tricuspid side, uh, we were the first company to complete an early feasibility study under FDA's new program for early feasibility studies in the cardiovascular space. Um, And on the tails of that, they offered up an opportunity to continue to enroll more patients in that and expand the program, which we have done now. Um, twice and in parallel we're working on our uh, ce mark study in europe
0: so how have things changed from the time you are in covidian and ev3 before that to today uh the the relationship with the fda sort of swings in a pendulum and i'm not sure which way the pendulum is swinging right now but how much more complicated or, or, or simpler is managing these trials today than it was before
1: well, I think the the interesting paradigm shift that um, I've seen is I would have never thought that you could get a study, an early uh, you know feasibility study completed in the U.S. before you could get anything off the ground in Europe, and I think that's something very very new for us uh, in our space to do that, and to see the collaboration from both FDA and CMS in trying to work with companies to get to that point, um, and and be be effective.
0: So what? Has led to that uh, that switch. You're right. It sounds almost counterintuitive because Europe was always the easiest play to go. Is it is it the work that that you mentioned FDA and CMS working together and things working better here, or is it the challenges over in Europe that's just slowing them down?
1: I think it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the U.S. It, I remember back in my covidian days when FDA was first talking about this early feasibility pathway. Uh, you know, it it was. I don't think we thought that it was going to be this straightforward. And, and I don't know what the experience has been for other companies, but for us, I mean, our approval, uh, literally, the FDA called us. Within a month, we were in front of the meeting. Um, we did a submission for the early feasibility protocol uh, under an IDE, and we had approval 28 days later. I mean, that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, you essentially went from first discussion with FDA to first patient in in five months. And for a, you know, class three, you know, invasive medical device, that's uh, pretty significant um, in terms of time frame. So I would say, yes, from an FDA perspective, um, they were very collaborative. They were working to promote this program. They reached out to us. And then I'd say on the other side, in, in Europe, uh, the regulatory challenges in some of the geographies there have definitely ratcheted up mm-hmm. to the point where, it's if you don't have some in-country representation and some people working with you, it becomes very challenging to actually navigate the changes to their systems.
0: How it, how much more challenging are the clinical managing those clinical trials now with the involvement of CMS? It's just it, it is great to have them both on the same track and in in communication with one another, but it also would bring I would guess a whole new slew of uh, of, of concerns and questions that need to be answered to satisfy. Both bodies. Is, is regulatory, are clinical trials more difficult to manage now than they were before, or are they easier?
1: I think yes and no. Uh, I think that the, the challenge for us with our particular technology is when you're first, you're always breaking new ground. So there's you're, you're relying on surrogates for what's CFD going to want, what's CMS going to want. I think some of the other things when you are the first to use a new program. Uh, things like clinical trial reimbursement become a little bit more challenging to figure out because, you know, CMS instituted their new national policy on clinical trial coverage and they had some very definitive ideas about not covering early feasibility, which presents a problem for a small venture backed company with a, you know, a surgical, you know, a percutaneous surgical procedure. So I think. Being able to work with them collaboratively to solve those problems, you, you're a little bit of a trailblazer, um, so it does take some time and resources. But at the end of the day, I, I'd say that part of it has been surprisingly straightforward. On the flip side, being first um, with the technology, um, you know, it's it's learning and and making sure you're leveraging the right uh, experts in the field, uh, that you're um, asking the right questions in those early studies, that you're taking a deep breath and making sure that you um, really know what you know before you go into your pivotal trial.
0: And just finally, how is the MedTech community in terms of supporting one another and sharing knowledge and experiences? There are so many tricks of the trade that have, that are being developed. There's so many things that are changing that someone else might have experienced before you. We've, we've talked about this previously and in the meeting we just had. Is, is the MedCheck community a supportive community and, and our communications between executives like yourselves and your counterparts, are those helpful in, in managing all these challenges?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think we've got, you know, such an amazing amount of experience in this space. And, and, uh, and um, to be able to pick up the phone and call people who have been there and done that and to learn from their experience and hopefully not make the same mistakes or to ask the right questions up front. Um, and for me, a lot of it is about risk mitigation. So let's understand what the potential pitfalls and, and challenges may be and and then how do we risk mitigate that. And there is an enormous uh, amount of talent in our industry that have so much experience and um, you know they're very, very open and willing to take your calls And share their experience. And a lot of times there's some quid pro quo, too, because there's things that maybe we're getting in our experience with this new technology that we can, in turn, share back with them.
0: Terrific. Well, thanks for joining us. taking a few minutes today. Thanks so much. That is a wrap. Lisa Ripon-Heine, thanks so much for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. Interesting observations about sort of the changing of the regulatory fortunes in Europe and the U.S. And look forward to your help on the MedTech conference. MedTech podcast listeners thank you for joining us do me a favor give us a ranking just take a second just give us a ranking it helps other people find the podcast send us a comment we'd love to uh to see a comment on itunes or just email me tom at healthogy.com that is the word health followed by the letters egy.com and uh be happy to uh hear things we should be discussing on this podcast people we should be interviewing we're trying to bring you folks who have unique insights on the challenges and opportunities in MedTech and want to make sure that uh, we're bringing you the voices that you want to hear. So once again, go to medtechconference.com to register for the June 1st MedTech Conference, and we will see you in Minneapolis.